We talk about a lot of heavy stuff on the Pro-Life Guys podcast. Today we are talking children's books. I am going to be joined by author Courtney Sebring to talk about her new children's book, Spark of Life. Stay tuned. Hi folks, welcome back to the Pro-Life Guys podcast, a show dedicated to equipping you with the tools that you need to have compassionate and compelling conversations so together we can change minds, save lives, and transform our culture. My name is Cam. I'm the host of the show. Thank you, Buckets, for joining in. Um, it is joy to have you along for the ride. Um, it's been a cool month. November is a cool month. Um, at CCBR, we are doing some wind-down stuff. We're getting ready for Giving Tuesday, which is going to be a big year, um, big day. Stay tuned for more info on that. Um, we've got Florida AAP planning. If you haven't applied already the Florida AAP, you definitely should. It is absolutely worth your while. Uh, we are already recruiting and accepting applications for our internship. And so if you're prayerfully considering joining um, for an incredible summer of training, of activism, of leadership, growth, and community, um, please do check on our internship. I'll try to drop a, a link in our show notes below. Um, Today, again, we're going a little bit off the beaten track. So often we talk about how to have conversations about abortion with your friends, your family members, your neighbors, um, people in your community. Today, we are going to highlight a children's author named Courtney Sebring, um, who just published a really cool book called Spark of Life, a little spark of life, I should say. Um, it is a very good children's book, in my humble opinion, as I'm going to get into with Courtney. I um, really appreciate her taking the time to join me and kind of talking through not only her creative process and how this book came to be, but also the importance of starting early with our kids to be able to walk them through an appreciation of life, of the value of life why we are valuable, um, that it's not a result of what we can or can't do, not what we contribute to the world around us, but rather who we are rooted in our dignity um, as image bearers. And so I think this is a really cool um, look. I, I hope that we get this in time for any any parents out there who want to um, purchase a copy for Christmas, anything like that. Um, hopefully we can get it out there in time for that. But without further ado, here's my conversation with Courtney Sebring, author of A Little Spark of Life children's book. All right, Courtney, thank you so much for taking the time to join the Pro-Life Guys podcast. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it is a joy. I am excited to dive into the everything around your children's book that you published. But I, I wonder before we do that, if you can give me a little bit of a background, bring me up to speed on... Where kind of the, the touch point with the pro-life kind of message and, and sharing it? Because I feel like for a lot of people, this journey is very different. I, I think often of um, Scott Klusendorf, a great leader of mine in the pro-life movement, who talks about how nobody just stumbles into the pro-life movement. There's a summoning yeah. of sorts that goes into it. Huh. And having published a really cool book that we're going to talk about in a little bit here, where did this come from? Was this something yeah. that was kind of a, a sunrise in the dark kind of thing? Or is this something that has been <laughs> on your heart for a long time? Oh, man, it's a mashup. A uh, Little okay. Spark of Life is a mashup of uh, a lot of different passions, like where they met. So um, I should say that my daughter, uh, from about the age of three, uh, was hugely interested in all things pregnancy and childbirth. You know, sometimes kids just get like obsessed with something. Uh, for a lot of kids, it's like, excavators or Lego uh, pregnancy <laughs> for my three-year-old. So um, it, like entering in that conversation at an age in an age-appropriate way with her, um, 
it kind of started like a search for books in the library. And, um, you know, it came up kind of short, uh, sort of along the same lines, along the same time, I should say. My husband and I started researching uh, the pro-life movement in our local area of Halifax, Nova Scotia at the time. And it's kind of a crazy story. So we were on like a month-long road trip from Halifax down to Florida in our camper. And I don't know, a week or two into the road trip, we put our daughter to bed. And then, I mean, it's like a 24-foot space. It's not a large space. And he'd be at the front and I'd be in the back. And we kind of like didn't know what the other person was getting up to reading or watching something. What are you doing? So we checked into each other by like the third or fourth night of this happening. It's like, are you okay? Are you getting lost in the vortex? What's going on? And unbeknownst to the other person, we were each watching like live action videos and we were reading articles about um, just legislation around abortion in Canada. Uh, that's where we were living at the time, but also in the States. And it just, that's not a coincidence, you know, <laughs> two people are in a 24 foot space separated and like spending their evenings this way for almost a week. And uh, so we talked about it and prayed about it. And we're like, okay, God's moving us into something. And we got involved with um, 40 Days for Life vigil when we got back and I just started researching it more. So that's that's kind of where my daughter's passion and then our interest in the pro-life movement kind of met up in this book. That makes a ton of sense. And, and I can definitely relate. I've got an almost four-year-old daughter um, who is like one-track mind on a different thing every month, it feels like. But for that month, holy moly, she is into it. Even my, I've got a one-year-old son as well. And he has just discovered the joys of reading in like the last month. Awesome. And he is lobbing books into our laps, my wife and I. Um, it's I the same that. book every time. Where's the Green Sheep? I don't even know who the author of Where's the Green Sheep? Um, but he has latched onto that book for whatever reason. And uh, beautiful how how a child's mind can, yeah, start that kind of quest for adults as well. What What is drawing into this? What do I know on the background? And so that's really cool. And yeah. And that kind of sets you on a journey. That sets you on a journey from Halifax to now living in Colorado and publishing a children's book. And yeah. I feel like there's a lot of people. And I mean, my wife and I certainly do this all the time. We check out books in the library. And we're like, huh, it doesn't seem like children's books are that difficult to write. I mean, this one that we just <laughs> checked down, it oh, they got a typo in it. Or like, is it really that difficult? Yeah, and right. Yet, <laughs> until you read a really good children's book and you're like, oh my goodness, this is beautiful. How do they put this together? And and I'm curious. So you're, I'd love to get into some of your passion with regards to creation and art and, and other stuff as well. Yeah. But within this realm of writing a children's book, was this something that was right in your wheelhouse or was this something that took a long time to mature into yeah. a, you know what, I've had this idea, but I've never really put pen to paper? Yeah, I'd say yes and no. I mean, I've always written poetry and that's the the manuscript for Little Spark of Life started out as a poem. And so uh it wasn't it wasn't really until I became a parent then that I became interested in children's literature. Um but then I was um it just caught me. I mean, it's, I love it. We we read a ton in our house. So that was influencing me as well. But in terms of, yeah, writing it, I, I had a lot of help in the process. I mean, people don't realize that you have people helping you edit it and art direction for the book and all sorts of things. So yeah, the germ of the idea was there. The, the, 
the sort of uh, basics were there in terms of the poem that I wrote, but I had a lot of people come alongside of me and, and help me in terms of like getting it to the place that it is now. Gotcha. And and it is in a really exciting spot now where we're going to dive more into the art behind it and kind of the narrative that goes along with it. If I can mine a little bit further into that. So you're, yeah. you, you get this initial kind of poem as a uh, foundation. Mm-hmm. And then I, I guess your creative process, is this bouncing it off of mom friends? Is this kind of the, the art community that you're a part of with regards mm-hmm. to bouncing ideas back and forth. What did that look like? Or did this kind of sit in your in in your top drawer for a year, a couple of years before it yeah. really kind of dusted off and like, oh, I guess I wrote that. Maybe, maybe yeah. there is something to that. Yeah, no, the latter, very okay. much. I mean, and I'd say the main reason that it's the latter, the, the idea of it sort of sitting as a file on my laptop for a few years is simply because I, I didn't have the opportunity, you mm-hmm. know? I didn't have the opportunity. I didn't quite know uh, where to go with it. So I knew I wanted to write it. I mean, it was very much part of um, like a daily practice for me anyway to write poetry and and to create. And so I just you know, kind of faithfully did that and then set it to the side and waited to see what would happen. But in terms of, yeah, getting it in front of other people, um, at first, yeah, it was just friends and family and bouncing ideas off of them. I I read it to my daughter a lot. Um, You know, she's my target audience and it was for her anyway. But uh, then uh, getting some help from the people at Paraclete and um, yeah, that was that was huge into getting getting it to where it needed to be. Very cool. And and so you put together the the manuscript and, and correct me if I'm wrong on any of these timeline things. So the, the manuscript comes together. And at that point, do you reach out to an artist? Uh, the the art in the book, again, I got, I got it here. We'll flip through it a little bit as we go. But I, it's beautiful. Is Thank it? I, I'm curious as to that creative process of how much the illustration informs at all, maybe or, or um, in any way, the actual text that goes behind yeah. it is this the text is set and solidified and then you're trying to find an, an artist that is going to kind of coincide with your vision mm-hmm. behind it or or what was that process like yeah so in the case of little spark of life the manuscript was set and then the illustrator was brought on board um and it was a cool process so um paraclete press sent me a, a list of illustrators and their portfolios. And I sort of looked through those with my daughter. She's very much a visual artist. It was so cool to open these files and say, hey, look, that person does this for a living. Isn't that so cool? Um, Because that's something she's really interested in. Um, And so, yeah, we went through and talked about what we liked and what we liked uh, less about each of these different uh, possible illustrators. And then, got back with uh, the publishing company in terms of who we really liked. And then one part of it that was really uh, kind of was a surprise for me that I didn't know about the process was the art direction. So I actually was given the opportunity to go line by line and sort of transform this poem into a story. I mean, if you look at the book now, it's like a, a day in the life of this little family. And um, that wasn't initially in my mind because I wasn't necessarily thinking about it visually. I mean, certainly there are lines in the poem that are very visual, um, like the Voyager in space and and that sort of thing. Um, but uh, yeah, to be able to go line by line and say, hey, I'd really be curious to see this or that uh, and then hold hold it in my hand. That, that was so cool. 
Yeah. And, and were you able to go back and forth with the artist? I mean, um, from, from the write-up on the back and, and from what's on the website, it, she was in Brazil, yeah. uh, which, which obviously is a far cry, both from Canada and from Colorado. <laughs> um, and, and so are you, were you guys able to connect on the phone and kind of, um, kind of dreamscape together as to vision behind it? Or was it mostly just kind of written correspondence back and forth? What did that look like? I didn't have a direct contact with her. Okay. So the okay. people who know way more about the process than Fair. I do were taking Taking uh, care of, of that correspondence on my behalf, but certainly I was asked like to check in, look at sketches. We looked at sketches first, um, and then you know colored pictures, and were able to make slight adjustments. But really, not a whole lot changed. I mean, Camilla really knocked it out of the park uh, in terms of yeah, making it making it come alive visually. Well, she did an excellent job, and I think that it coincides with the text so well that, that it's not jarring. It is very, very well orchestrated together, mm. the two of them. Um, and, and so congratulations on, on your first children's book being being that <laughs> well you. done. So, Thank you. Yeah, I'm very pleased. <laughs> Yeah. And, and I guess, tell me about, and, and I guess maybe we can go into some, some of the deeper principles behind it in a moment, but sure. so this comes out if, am, am I correct in thinking that this came out earlier this year? Yeah, um, the September book was 12th. It came September out 12th. Yeah. What, what have you heard so far feedback wise? Is this in libraries or have there been a couple of schools that have latched onto it? What has the feedback been so yeah. far? That's a great question. So um, a couple of library, libraries here locally, so Colorado Springs, the Pikes Peak Library has it here, I know for sure. Um, the library up in Denver has it. Um, that's actually a really great uh, point to bring up with your listeners. I mean, if you want to support the book, one of the biggest things that you can do, and it's actually really simple, is get on your library's uh, website, and there's going to be a place where you can request uh, a book. And um, all you really need is the title, Little Spark of Life, and the author and the the publishing company, Paraclete Press, and then you're off to the races. So uh, it's really cool. It's really cool to see the book inside libraries. And in terms of feedback, some of my favorite feedback has been um, just personal feedback from people that I know who've read the book with their children and they're able to share just what that moment uh, was like. For them as a family. And I mean, that's really what I envision, not so much like big picture, all that is awesome. And yeah, I want the book to do really, really well. I love hearing those stories of families because when I think about the book, that's the, that's the setting that I think of. Um, our, uh, it's a resource for families to talk to their kids about yeah, where babies come from and like how precious life is. Um, so yeah, I, so far so good in terms of feedback. Yeah, I'm just excited for more and more. Wonderful, wonderful. I'm sure that it's going to keep pouring in. And, and so maybe let's dive a little bit deeper into not necessarily the creative process. Maybe we get into that as well, but also just kind of the 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 underlying principles. Because one mm -hmm. thing that I think that you did so well, I mean, I a bit of a confession to make to the audience. I, sometimes I struggle with mm. um, pro-life and Christian content. Sometimes I, so I feel like I'm getting bludgeoned. <laughs> <laughs> with a hammer of, of like, oh my goodness, I go to the movies and I'm trying to support this good Christian film and I'm just getting beaten on every single issue all at the I same time. You, Holy man. moly, we're trying to pack I it all in you. here. Same. And yet you, you want to accomplish something as profound as being able to convey the beauty and at times the difficulty, but, but so much of the beauty of 
the journey of pregnancy to help a child. I mean, my, my yeah. daughter went through it while my son was um, gestating my mother, in my wife's uh, womb. Mm -hmm. um, what, what is happening? What is happening to mom? What is happening to our family? Right. How, how did you kind of approach your, your desire to be able to mm -hmm. convey that in a way that would resonate not only with your own daughter, but also with children um, around the world? What kind of principles went through your mind for here's how I capture this in an age appropriate way, like you yeah. said, yeah. that isn't going to be that hammer trying to bludgeon somebody with the pro-life message? Yeah, that's such a great question. Because uh, I am right with you in terms of being turned off sometimes to a, to a lot of that quote unquote Christian content. And so for me, I think I tried to um, not place it in a category uh, and hang with me while I'm, what I mean by that is uh, I think that as Christians, sometimes we're really good at separating this is sacred and this is secular and it is all the Lord's and especially something as, um, as basic and as like paramount as life. And so I think I tried to keep that in my mind. Like th this is, it's all the Lord's. I don't need to dip into um, Christian culture or secular culture, um, certain principles that were carrying me. I really wanted to, in a, in a gentle and subtle way, hit on some pro-life apologetics in the book. And so um, you know, you'll notice that I emphasize the fact that there are two separate bodies in one single place. Um, I, I mean, I need to flip through it. To <laughs> um, oh, let's see, like from the very moment of conception, you know, that's when a new life uh, begins, uh, a unique person from the very beginning. Um, I'm trying to think of some others. I think at the very end of the book where I talk about um, it's not what they do. It's rather who they are, that, that we're all image bearers of God. I really try to touch on a lot of different specific pro-life apologetics. Um, it was really important for me to choose the baby's gender um, because now we're talking about a person. We can refer to her as she. Um, it's not the baby or it, um, you know, just to drive home the fact that, yeah, we are talking about a little person here. Um, exactly. What, one, yeah. of my fav one of my favorite lines is on uh, towards the end of the book where you say all babes deeply hope for or mm. unplanned surprise yeah. hold the same worth from the very first cell divide mm -hmm. and, and to be able to capture that, that regardless of somebody's um, the the relational setting of somebody's um, creation mm -hmm. that doesn't speak to our value. The fact that we are image bearers speaks to our value. And so this book can resonate regardless whether it's a, a mother and father parented home or whether it's a single parent home, whether it's a complicated family situation or simple, regardless mm -hmm. of the family situation this child is coming into, Absolutely. they are still precious in the eyes of God and as such should be precious in our eyes as well. I think that's beautiful. Absolutely. And I mean, I think that speaks a little bit to our background. So, I mean, our daughter is adopted and yeah. um, that is something else that really played into my husband and I getting involved in, in the pro-life movement as well. You know, I, yeah. it, it's just, they're so connected. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's so cool. And, and so you take that, the other thing that I loved is kind of the month by month look at, at gestational mm. development and what is happening because I, I find that so humanizing. And mm-hmm. um, I know that was really important for our daughter as um, she was coming to expect her little brother to be born, to be mm-hmm. able to help her appreciate the humanity of this child and the Absolutely. definition and the concrete nature of this child and not the the theoretical principles of this child, I guess. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, using your daughter as an example to say like, oh, you know, the baby has fingers. I have fingers. The baby has a heart. I have a heart. The baby has, you know, can hear at this point. I can hear and just be able to relate, like you're saying, on a human level with 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 that growing baby. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and I think that with that, and, and like I said, the balance that you take in it, it's not heavy handed to the point that if, if some person without a faith background at the public library picks this up and flips through it, they're mm-hmm. not going to heave it back into the, the, the mm-hmm. discard pile kind of thing. Oh, I, I think that lot. it strikes that balance. Yeah. That means a lot. Because I mean, there was a point um, in the development of a manuscript where I really had to draw a line in the sand. I mean, I, the first uh, reiteration of, of, at that point, it was a poem. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of mention of the creator or of God. I was just focusing on the process. And um, it, I mean, I was really moved to to go ahead and sort of hop on one side of the fence or the other to say like, no, I really want to write a book that gives credit where credit is due. Um, and also to be really specific and that this is a resource um, for Christian families who want to find a way to talk to their kids about not just where babies come from, but about the value of life, um, to really focus on the the positive aspects of it. I don't know when, you know, the the big horrible conversation is going to come up uh, with my daughter and I in terms of like, well, what is an unwanted pregnancy? Um, I, I like, I can't wrap my brain around that. And then to go in to have that conversation with her about sort of, uh, you know, one of the horrific truths of, of the world that we live in, I, I want it to be a stark contrast to the goodness and the beauty um, of, of life. And, and yeah, so that was something that was really important to me in writing this book. Um, just highlighting the contrast between what is good and what is beautiful and what has this, you know, like divine purpose behind it versus, you know, what we see in our culture. Yeah. And, and I think that that, that dovetails so beautifully with this, this aim of setting up for a very difficult conversation eventually at some point, whether, whether it's, I mean, at some point, my daughter is going to ask more and more about the job that I do and trying to change people's minds on abortion. And well, why are, why are they holding that worldview in the first place? And she's not going to phrase it that way, but um, things like that. And I, I feel like this frames it so well as a launching pad for those difficult conversations, because mm-hmm. whether it's adoption and, and I'd be curious in, in how you reflect upon this. I know that I've spoken to a number of adoptive children and parents and even more so people in the pro-life movement who do not understand adoption any more than will just give your child up for adoption or mm. why aren't we just adopting a child to be able to help them appreciate <laughs> that adoption is so beautiful because the profound courage that somebody might need to choose to say you deserve more than I may be able to give in this moment mm. and 
this profound value is coming from you being an image bearer. And I, I value so deeply that I want to offer an opportunity that might provide and might honor that profound beauty and, and everything in a way that I'm in my current life, not able to offer. Right. Absolutely. And honor is the perfect word. I mean, we, we don't have, uh, you know, direct contact with, uh, the, with birth mom, but you know, that, that, that those, we can edit this part out. I'll go ahead and say that I'm like stumbling over my words. Let me start again. I was, I think honor is the perfect word when talking about birth parents. Um, Our daughter's birth parents have a tremendous amount of honor in, in our home. And that's something that is spoken of. Um, And so, yeah, it, it is a difficult situation. Um, I, you, you had mentioned people who say, would well, just adopt, you know, I, how many times I heard that, like, it's that simple. Um, it's very complicated. It's very complex. And I mean, when, when human beings are involved in almost anything, it gets super messy, you know, um, but it's so worth it. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I like thinking about a little spark of life as being a launching pad for more than just one conversation. You know, I think that there are a lot of conversations wrapped up in it as well. So thanks for bringing that out. Yeah. And, and I'm curious if there's other conversations that go through your mind. I, I, I mm. think as well, the, the line that you mentioned about not our, our dignity, our value is not linked into what we do, um, mm. but rather who we are and how, how difficult even for Christian parents it is to be able to model that to their children in an implicit way when so often we feel like we're rewarding children for doing good and we're punishing them for doing bad. And so is my Mm. value based in whether I do good or whether I do bad or that kind of thing, but Mm -hmm. how an explicit resource like this might also help with a a child being able to understand and navigate the, the process of what does it mean to go through discipline and and mm-hmm. to appreciate correction and things like that and how mm-hmm. my value is not undermined by the choices that I make, mm-hmm. but rather elevate the importance of growing immaturity and choices to be able to reflect again the dignity that God has put in us. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's a great point. And I mean, the, the gospel is something that we walk out every day uh, in, in our lives. And we, you know, my husband and I as parents, like we try to do that um, in a, in a real way. Um, I think also being like beloved, I think that that's something that comes up in the book. And so that kind of goes, it it goes into what you're saying about, um, being loved unconditionally simply for who we are, that, that God made us with a plan and a purpose, um, that we are beloved. Um, Oh man, it makes me think of a story. I went to a retreat over the weekend and one of the big um, takeaways was this idea of being beloved. And, um, you know, we, we, we listened to a song and more or less the lyrics were like, okay, so you've accepted, you've owned your sin, you've owned your screw ups, you've owned all these things. Now own this, own your identity as someone who is beloved. And uh, it was so powerful. And I promptly came home and broke something expensive in the house. And <laughs> I I had to go to my daughter. And she's like, why are you sad? And I was like, oh, I'm sad because I'm having a hard time believing that 
<laughs> I'm still beloved, even though I made a huge mistake. But you know, I mean, like went to her and said, hey, what is true? Because I say that to her a lot. What is true? You feel this way. Okay. I respect that. What is true? Um, and we just kind of go through what is true. You know, lies are loud. And um, we need to make sure that the truth is is louder, you know? So anyway. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and as we circle back to the book, I can't wait until we're in middle school or, or in high school when the the choices get more and more and more profound, but rather we, we build as the child grows. And, and this is a great way of um, drawing that conversation in at a very early stage. Mm -hmm. um, so this is um, central to their understanding of their own identity. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, one of the things that I've had the privilege of talking about a lot since the book has been published is the power of the imagination mm -hmm. and the power of the imagination specifically to shape virtue. And, um, you know, that's where it starts, our, our minds and our hearts. And so that's one of the reasons why I wanted to write the book is because I understand that children are, they're the future culture makers, and so whatever it is that they're training their minds and their hearts on right now, that's going to shape them for the future, you know? And I, I, I want so much for um, people who get a hold of the book to have a resource of bringing goodness, beauty, and truth, you know, into their, into their homes. Um, so yeah, capturing the imagination, I think, is, is really, really important. Fantastic, fantastic, and and as we start drawing towards the the root of how people get plugged in with the book and mm -hmm. and that kind of thing, I I'm curious as to with uh, and obviously the the response is still fairly early, and I I hope that it keeps pouring in. I hope that you have opportunities. Are you speaking mm -hmm. at libraries? Are you speaking at bookstores to be able to showcase the book a little bit more? Well, I've had a couple of book signings, and I've been speaking at like mom groups. The tricky thing about this book is that a lot of people want to discuss this topic with their children um, themselves. And so um, I am hoping for more opportunities where I can bring families together, where it's not just, you know, I love going to schools. Um, my background is in theater, and I used to teach theater workshops at schools uh, all the time and just had a blast with that. Um, so I've gone to a couple of schools. Um, and had the privilege of reading to really small children and um, just hearing their non sequitur comments and questions. That's like so much fun. You just got to think like, what is going through your brain right now? <laughs> so I love doing that. I want to do more of it. So yeah, we're just picking up speed right now. Very cool. And and is this something that you're you're hoping can grow beyond a single book? I, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but is this something that that you would anticipate? Hopefully, whether it's um, a couple of years down the road, whether you've already do you already have a second book in the works? Where what could um, somebody? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Um, I, I think that's about all I can say. But, Fair enough. Um, yeah, I just say like, stay tuned for sure. Cool. Um, I I can give uh, your listeners, my personal website is sebringcreative.com and I'll be putting up uh, stuff as the months progress about um, what a, a second book might look like. Definitely, um, I'm still interested in themes of uh, focusing on being beloved by our creator, being uniquely, fearfully, and wonderfully made. Gotcha. You do run a, a wonderful blog as well on your website. I, I will highly endorse that. I, I've read through a couple of the articles, your most recent one about um, 
inviting more people into the creative process and, and, yes. and not even inviting them into it, but, but rather opening their eyes to their own creative um, Absolutely. participation, I think is so cool and, and a yeah. very necessary message as well. Yeah, I'm so interested. So anybody who is listening, please do contact me. I'm so interested in hearing about how creativity has impacted you and also just the intersection between art and faith. That is something that I am investigating right now just because it's like what I'm going through in my uh, personal walk. Um, but yeah, I've got some really interesting stories uh, coming up of people who are being uh, just really, really creative. I have, uh, I'll tell one real quick, um, a friend who uh, bought a missile silo in Kansas and is transforming that into an Airbnb. I mean, taking something that was meant, I know, isn't that wild? Taking something that was meant for, you know, destruction and turning it into this place where he's bringing people together and um, just cultivating community. I love that. So I want to hear more stories like that. Or, you know, people who don't consider themselves to be creative, you know, maybe you made a sandwich. You made something. <laughs> That's creative. I want to hear about it. <laughs> Absolutely. That's super cool. And and a, a very, I mean, the, the two messages dovetail so closely when it comes to not only the value of preborn children. I feel like at times pro-lifers don't spend enough time considering how that reflects into our own lives. And and so often I'm giving talks on how to change hearts and minds, how to speak to the heart of somebody that is holding the pro-abortion worldview and how often their value of preborn children is tied so directly to how they understand their own value and how they appreciate where they're at and where they fit into this wild world that we're living in, that kind of thing. And so to be able to nurture amongst um, peers this, this understanding of creativity and participation in, in creation and yeah. being made in God's image and likeness and how that intersects with um, creativity in and of itself as well. It's just a beautiful message as well. Mm, thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah, most welcome. And, and so as we draw this up, then how, how do people get plugged in? I, I will give, um, as promised, I will give um, a, a contest um, in the conclusion of the show. But where can people find more about the book? Where can they get access to it? How do they um, learn more and how do they get their hands on a copy of it? Sure. So the best place for people to go would be to the book's landing page uh, at littlesparkoflifebook.com. Um Paraclete Press is still promoting their Light the Spark campaign right now. So people can save between like 15 and 40% off of their copies um, when they order through Paraclete Press. But, you know, you can get it on Amazon and different places like that. So, uh, yeah, that's that's how they get plugged in and learn more about the book. Again, SebringCreative.com is my personal website. I uh, will update kind of the news about what's going on with the book and then other creative uh, endeavors and calls to action for those of you that are listening. Very cool. Well, all of that will be um, dropped in the show notes below. And so if you're tuning in on YouTube or your favorite podcast or whatever it may be, um, you can check out the links there. Please do support the book and, and support Courtney in, in the growth and, and awareness of this for how we can better prepare our children to understand their own value um, and start the conversation for something that will grow in the years that follow um, through this book. So... Thank you a ton, Courtney, for taking the time to join me on the Pro-Life Guys podcast. Um, and yeah, blessings on all of the, the upcoming. I hope that there's lots more um, opportunities coming forward for you. Thanks so much, Cameron. I appreciate it. My pleasure.
All right, folks, that was my conversation with Courtney Sebring, um, author of Little Spark of Life, children's book. I hope that you enjoy that as much as I do. And I hope that you are intrigued by the idea of a a very well-written, well-illustrated um, children's book. I've got a copy of it right here as I've flashed a few times throughout this episode. Um, and if you want a chance to win this copy of the book, I am doing a give, giveaway. What you have to do you have to be subscribed to our YouTube channel. You have to subscribe on our website to our newsletter. And this will be um, a contest we run through the website newsletter. And so go to prolifeguys.com. Um, you got to sign up before the end of this week. Week of posting, you got to sign up by the end of this week. I will have the contest details in that email that goes on. And so if you want a copy of this book, you want to be entered into the draw for it, you got to sign up. Not only do you need to be subscribed on YouTube, I'm going to be cross-referencing. I'm going to be making sure that you are signed up on YouTube and on our website. And then I'll be doing a giveaway and I'll be um, hopefully announcing the winner. Um, I don't know for sure if it'll be next week's episode just because of the recording order and all that kind of thing. But do sign up, um, subscribe on there. What are you going to expect? What if you don't win? What if you do win? By subscribing on there, you're going to get an email that goes out once every week or two, maybe even less frequently than that, depending on how much time I have to send out content. What do you get um, access to is early content. I'll be sending out early access to some of the episodes that are coming up. I'll um, have extra opportunities for suggestions for guests and the like there, as well as um, contests like this. And um, maybe even some promo codes for signups for different C-Spirit programming, whether it's um, crash courses or other events we're hosting. And so please do that. Go to prolifeguys.com. Um, I'll put it in the show notes below. I will also have a number of other um, links in the show notes below as well. And so please do that. Thanks a ton for joining along for the ride. Thank you for being a part of this episode. And I pray the Lord may bless you abundantly wherever you're at, however many hours are left in your day. <laughs>